I love the sense of community. I love seeing the children playing outside freely and making noise. I love mothers congregating around their market stalls, talking about the day's priorities. And I love seeing people just out liming in the early evenings. The pace of life is slow, sometimes too slow, especially when you need something doing fast, fast, as we say. I love it all. But there are just some things I cannot stand about Malawi. My name is Dr. Asha Sefanit Wadasi. And like many people of African descent, I used to live in the UK. But I always had a dream which developed into a plan to move to an African country of my dreams. After travelling around several African countries on the African continent, I finally settled on Malawi, a small country the size of the UK, which is in the east side of the African continent. And I love it here. My podcast is about my life in Malawi, how I got here, how I'm managing to stay here, and some of the interesting things I get up to during my daily life. I also focus on helping you to break through with your own best life plans for living in your own hot country of your dreams or just having the life you want. I also look at your money freedoms, your job freedoms and many other things that can help you to get that best life. So stick with me as I take you through the Living Your Best Life in Africa experience. It's going to be a blast. Greetings. You're listening to the Living Your Best Life in Africa podcast and this is episode 138. Greetings everyone. As we move into the worst economic living conditions since the 1970s, hold on to the belief that when you are ready, you can be the change you want to see. So after having shared my top five things that I missed about the UK in my last podcast episode, in this week's podcast episode, I thought, you know, there are just some things I cannot stand about Malawi. And I thought you might like to share this journey with me. Malawi is one of the most beautiful countries I have ever visited. There is nothing there. And that's what I love. The people eke out a living from the bare minimum every day. And in many ways, I see them living better than we do in the UK in real terms, not just in terms of material things and electronic gadgets. In comparison to material standards of living between Malawi and the UK, Malawi is about 10 years behind. But I love that. I love the simplicity of my life now and it almost feels like I've returned to how we used to live when we were youngsters, growing up in some of the African majority populated estates in Bradford in West Yorkshire where I grew up. Places like Sloan Square and Newby Square but without the tower blocks and I love that. I love the sense of community I love seeing children playing outside freely and making noise. I love mothers congregating around their market stalls, talking about the day's priorities. And I love seeing people just out liming in the early evenings. The pace of life is slow. 
sometimes too slow when you need something doing fast, fast, as we say. I love it all, but there are just some things I cannot stand about Malawi. So in no particular order, here are my five pet hates. At number five, I cannot stand white saviour NGOs in Malawi. NGOs are what are called non-governmental organisations. The same charity organisations that we see on TV with all that violin music, you know, going on like they really care. And yet these organisations come to prey upon the people in Malawi because Malawi is described as the sixth or fifth poorest country in the world. And so we have all these white saviours who run to save Malawi. Now, I know that these white saviour organisations provide employment for many aspiring middle-class Malawians who might otherwise struggle to get jobs. But don't ever think that the jobs they have pay them a decent salary because they don't. And in fact, when white volunteers come to Malawi, those volunteers get an allowance which is far higher than the wages that these organisations pay to their black managers. And for me, I hate that. And that aspect of NGO operations in Africa is hidden from the British public. It's hidden because if you knew about it, you would speak out about it because it's really, really insulting. But nevertheless, I know that we have to be grateful for some of their small mercies because not all people in these organisations are bad people. But there is something just so fundamentally wrong with decades of giving Malawians fish whilst deliberately never teaching Malawians how to fish. We expect Malawians to live in this donor world where we always have to be grateful to the donors in the West as if somehow they're not getting anything from being in Malawi and other African countries. But they are getting something from that. They are getting, it's just that we don't get to see the power and the privilege that they wield when they're in African countries. All we see are just the hearts and the violins. They play that music in the UK, making us feel that they're out there helping. And in some cases, they are helping. Because as I said, not all people in these organisations are bad and not all people in these organisations agree with the way that Africans are portrayed, both in Africa, like my own country, Malawi, and in the UK. Not all people agree with that presentation. But we are where we are. But for me, as I said, there is something fundamentally wrong with decades of giving Malawians fish whilst deliberately never teaching Malawians how to fish. In other words, using aid to keep Malawians dependent and grateful so that these organisations can be busy in Malawi doing unscrupulous things rather than supporting Malawians towards self-determination, self-reliance and job creation. 
What I also hate about these NGOs is their utter devotion to living life in Malawi based on white privilege, carrying on like buanas in the country, in a way that they could never live in the UK. White saviour organisations, well, they rush to countries like Malawi because living there means they can almost feel like they used to feel back in the day. In Malawi, they get to dangle crumbs of cake in the faces of Africans whilst we dance and sing to get those crumbs. It makes me sick to my stomach because all I see is a bunch of predator organisations who behave exactly the same as when they're in the UK, only that the behaviour has to be different because the context is different. In Malawi, they can openly show their belief in their white superiority and privilege. But in the UK, because of the difference in context, they have to tone it down. So a lot of the racism is very much behind closed doors. And so these same organisations and their related organisations behind closed doors will practice open dislike towards the self-determinatory views of black organisations and our charities. So black organisations and charities that want to serve black communities, well, they won't get funded in the same way that white organisations that want to serve black communities, how they will be funded. It's very much the same as it is in Malawi. But in public, these same organisations are in the press and they're acting as if they support black organisations to do good work for black communities. And it's simply not true. And every so often they get caught out. And here, all we need to do is think of the Windrush scandal and how the British government were caught out saying one thing in public but doing another thing in private. And the only answer that we have to give to this is to form our own NGOs in Malawi and in other African countries. And this is now beginning to happen. We are now beginning to form our own charities and NGOs in Malawi and in other African countries, as I've said. And I'm really pleased about that. And I'll leave it there for this number five. Feel no way. At number four is the high cost of travel from East to West Africa and vice versa. Me? I love to travel and I particularly love travelling within the continent of Africa. But it's expensive. I can't bear the fact that because less value is placed on Africans travelling within Africa, we have to pay a high price to travel within Africa. And in fact... It's much cheaper for me to leave Malawi, travel back to the UK, get off the plane, walk around, eat food, go to a show, spend the night in a hotel and then catch a plane the following day on a separate ticket to then travel to the other African country I'm trying to get to. How can that be and how can that be right? It makes my blood boil. 
I recently experienced this when I travelled from Malawi on the east coast of Africa to Gambia on the west coast of Africa, within the same continent. And I had to do that when I was trying to beat the 2,250 red list bill that I would have had to pay coming into the UK from Malawi and having to stay in their dirty UK quarantine hotel. And if you want to know more about that, then you can listen to episode 128 of the podcast where I talk about that experience. But anyway, want to miss a few When I travelled by air from Malawi to the Gambia, the flights cost me close to £1,600 after taxes. But if I had booked a return flight from Malawi to the UK and then from the UK taken a separate flight to the Gambia, I would have paid close to £1,100, a full £500 difference. And I hate that. And why I hate that? It's to do with the difference in the value placed on the African tourist as opposed to the European tourist. Why is it that as Africans travelling to either the Caribbean or to Africa, we have always had to pay more to go and see our families than Europeans have to pay to see theirs? Why is that? It makes my blood boil. If Malawi was Australia, I would not have to pay these prices. And that's what I hate. And there is also a huge difference in mileage. The distance between Malawi and the Gambia is 3,865 miles. And for that, I paid £1,600. But the distance from Malawi to the UK and then from the UK to the Gambia is, wait for it, 8,177 miles, more than twice the distance. And yet, because the UK tourist and traveller is valued more than the African tourist and traveller, going via the UK or any other European country for that matter, means that I will pay less, even though the plane has to travel twice as far and use twice as much fuel. Now, ain't that something? The obvious way for us to deal with this is just to charge less. This would encourage Africans within Africa to travel around the continent for work, for education, and for opportunities to gain skills and upskill others. And it is certainly my hope that this much-talked-about African passport will be the first step to seeing this vision materialise, hopefully within my lifetime. Because if we sit and wait for those who have the power and the money and the privilege to change this, then we're going to be waiting for generations after we have left our mortal coil. It's not going to change because it has always been the case that Africans pay more for everything, regardless of our status and regardless of how much money we have. And that is just the way it has always been. And I hate that. At number three is the high cost of the Internet. I literally cannot stand this. And you've heard me complain about this before. 
It makes my blood boil when I think about the reality that all of the components that Western countries need to run their mobile phone industry and to coat their internet cables comes from African countries and other countries in the Southern Hemisphere. And for that, in the UK, I am charged less. I can buy a terabyte of data, which is 1,000 gigabytes, well, I can buy that terabyte of data for £300 in the UK. But in Malawi, the same terabyte of data will cost me £570. I mean, why? All our data services run via the same telephone masts, the same as mobile services in the UK. And our television streaming services run in a similar way to Sky TV, with everything coming down the telephone line, because we don't have an underground cable network. So what's the problem? The technology is old. It's not like companies have had to create something new for Malawi. In fact, they bring old things to Malawi. They bring old mobile phones that are perhaps two to three years behind what is available in the UK. And so the next time you're going to buy a new mobile phone and you're thinking, hmm, I wonder where those old models are from last year or the year before or the year before that. Well, where they are is in countries like Malawi. This is where you'll find them being sold as top of the range. And those phones are selling for a higher price than they would get for those phones in the UK. Old things. But selling those things in Malawi, they charge big prices, just like they do for the internet. And I hate that. And the service is just as bad. The internet is just as slow. Sometimes the system eats your data when you hardly use it. Sometimes I run out of data and I have to resort to buying data bundles, just like I do in the UK. And it's even more costlier. All this because telephone companies insist on selling data, which I need to use to run my side hustles. Well, they insist on selling that data at almost twice the price as what I would pay for it in the UK. To me, this is not right. And the answer to this one is that we need to invest in our own educational infrastructure so that we can train our own people to create a manufacturing industry and start and build the right businesses that will deliver the services we want. Because if we sit and wait for other people to treat us right, we're only going to get the treatment that they want for us. And for me, that's reflected in paying almost twice as much for data. At number two, the thing I hate most about Malawi is not what I hate about Malawi at all, but what I hate most about what is being done to Malawi and African countries in general with the issue of climate change. Just like we see the differences in weather systems in the UK with much hotter summers that seem to start earlier in the year and much wetter winters that seem to go on for longer than I remember as a child, so we see similar changes in the weather patterns in Malawi. And it's all due to climate change and also the strong arming 
used by Western countries who use the aid dependency of countries like Malawi to bring their rubbish and toxic waste to Malawi to dump near our seas and lakes. It's the fact that when I'm in Malawi, living in my village, I produce less combined waste in a month than the average person in the UK produces in three days. And it's the combination of these and many other things that causes a build-up of toxins in the atmosphere, which causes the climate change that affects countries like Malawi so greatly, especially during the rainy season. During the rainy season, we are now seeing more devastating periods of rains, similar to rains that we've seen in the UK, which flood out entire villages. But those rains happen once every few years, and they also happen in different places in the UK. But in Malawi, we see those rains devastating different areas of the country. Well, we're beginning to see it more often, and we see it in the same places. We have elders in Malawi who have lived through decades of hot and rainy seasons, and they talk of never remembering the weather being as volatile as it is at the moment. And I agree. But Malawi is fighting back from within and has just launched its first huge-scale solar panel farm, which generates enough electricity for thousands of homes, which in turn fuels a programme of linking villages up to the electricity grid in a clean way. Because what Malawi is attempting to do is to reduce its carbon footprint within the country. And it aims to do that by diverting Malawians away from burning charcoal, because charcoal also pumps toxins into the atmosphere. The aim is that we end up with a cleaner energy that fuels the needs of people from within. My hope is that we're not just making space to take in more toxins from other polluting Western countries. And at number one, the thing I hate most of all is the cheek of the high prices that I have to pay for UK products, which I need because I'm still fading out my UK palate. I'm still in training to eat like a Malawian, but because I'm vegan, which I know is a luxury diet, because I'm vegan, it costs me more. I'm in Malawi, a country where over 90% of the people eat a vegan diet for at least five days of the week. But I have problems. For example, Malawians love milk. I love milk. But in Malawi, everyone drinks cow's milk or goat's milk. But not Asha. No, Asha drinks soya milk or some other form of nut milk. But although we have free-flowing goods from South Africa into Malawi and a lot of the UK products are manufactured in South Africa for the continental African market, although we have this, if I want to buy a box of soya milk, I am going to pay more than twice as much for that box of milk as I would pay in the UK. And I just can't. I cannot pay nearly £4 for a box of milk. No. And this is what it's like. 
these Western companies cripple Africans if we want to buy anything that looks remotely like something we would buy off a UK supermarket shelf. And yet their supermarkets are in Malawi. You may or may not know that supermarkets like Spa have more than 13,000 stores in the UK and more than 850 stores in Africa alone, including several in Malawi. Goods and services flow inwards and outwards on behalf of this supermarket, meaning that there are goods they pick up in African countries which they sell on to other companies and also sell themselves in African countries and in Western countries. And then there are goods that they pick up on the way back from those Western countries, which they sell in other African countries and in Malawi. Now, I know I'm simplifying things here, but in the simplest kind of way, this is how trade works. That's why gaining national and international market share is so important. People and companies buy and sell from each other and try to make a profit on what they buy and on what they sell. And I'm fine with that. But what I'm not fine with is extortion. How can a vegan spread that I buy in the UK cost me 75 pence, but in Malawi, if I want to buy it, you want me to pay £3.95? pence? Why? It's simply not on. £3.95? pence. Why should it be that prices are held down in the UK when so many of the raw ingredients used to make certain products come from African countries and elsewhere? And these supermarkets also have manufacturing bases in Africa. Why should I have to pay £3.95? pence? And this is why I hate this. So from now on, guess how I'm going to deal with it? This year is going to be the year of Asha making her own vegan milk, her own vegan butter and her own vegan cheese because I have had enough. If I do good, I'll post my efforts onto my social media pages so you can see how I get on. It's really going to be a laugh, but I'm determined to beat these price hikes so that I stop complaining about this issue. So there you have it. My five pet hates about Malawi. It might not have been what you were expecting, but if you're visiting or long staying in an African country or a hot country of your dreams, I'd love to hear about your five pet hates or even five things that you love or loved about the country you visited. It's good to talk because through talking and sharing experiences, we get to inspire each other. And if you're looking for some inspiration, remember you can download my free Best Life Starter Pack, which gives you lots of interesting checklists and tips and things that you can do now to assess where you are in your Best Life plans. So you can make 2022 the year you decide to invest some money in yourself towards looking at what is out there for you. All you need to do is download the pack to get started. 
You can find the pack at livingyourbestlifeinafrica.com forward slash pack. That's livingyourbestlifeinafrica.com forward slash pack. And remember that Africa is spelled with a K. I'll also put the link to the pack in the show notes for this podcast episode. Remember, there is a world waiting out there to sample your greatness. Try not to keep us waiting too long. You've been listening to the Living Your Best Life in Africa podcast. My name is Dr. Asher, and for this week, I'm out.